Welcome to Stories from the Midland, a collection of historic tales from Teller County and the surrounding areas. Winfield Scott Stratton became world famous as the Cripple Creek Gold District's first millionaire, and the independence mine that made him so rich became just as famous. But over time, Stratton proved to be a frugal man who preferred to use his money to better the lives of others rather than live the extravagant lifestyle of the other successful mine owners contemporary to his time. In this episode of Stories from the Midland, we're going to look at the generosity of Winfield Scott Stratton. This episode was written and is being presented for you by Tommy Allen. Winfield Scott Stratton was born in Jefferson, Illinois in 1848. He was one of eight children born to Mary and Myron Stratton. When Winfield Scott Stratton was a teenager, his father arranged for him an apprenticeship to a carpenter. And while Stratton didn't particularly enjoy carpentry, he was good at it. Up until the time he became a successful mine owner, his skills in carpentry would prove vital in supporting him throughout his toughest times. Hearing the stories of people traveling to the Rocky Mountains in search of gold fired Stratton's imagination and he began to save money to travel west. After saving up the money he needed, Stratton headed to Colorado Springs and arrived in 1872. Colorado Springs was newly established by General Jackson Palmer and as an experienced carpenter, Stratton found his skills very much in demand. He worked hard and was eventually able to establish his own carpentry business. One of his most remembered projects was the work he did at the McAllister House, now a museum in Colorado Springs. He also did work for the Helen Hunt Jackson Home, whose remaining portions can be found at the Colorado Springs Pioneer Museum. For 17 years, Stratton prospected unsuccessfully for gold. He eventually decided to attend the Colorado School of Mines to receive training on his pursuit of the rich material. It paid off when, on one night in 1891, Bob Womack came bursting through the door where Stratton was playing cards, claiming to have found gold. When Stratton headed out to the area in search of his own finds on July 4th of that year, he established the Washington Claim and, more importantly, the Independence Claim. While he sold the Washington claim, he demonstrated his frugal nature when he cautiously and meticulously mined the independence. He was constantly receiving uh, what we'll call advice from newspapers and local businessmen to be more aggressive in his approach to his mining claim. For example, the Denver paper, the Rocky Mountain News, published an article about the Cripple Creek Mining District with the header, 15 millions promised this year, but carried the subheading, if present limitations are removed from the great independence mine in Victor, this amount may be doubled. But among other things, the approach Stratton took allowed him to pay his miners more than the other mines paid theirs and to provide them with accidental death insurance. It also left plenty of promised gold in the ground to ensure he made a good profit when he sold his mine. When Stratton decided to sell the independence, it went for $10 million, about $322 million in 2023 dollars, to a group of British businessmen. Stratton was the richest man in America. As I said earlier, while a mine owner and after when he had all that money from the sale of his mine, Stratton remained a frugal man. 
The first thing he did when he started to make his fortune was to pay off his debts, nearly unheard of among the newly rich from gold mining. Instead of building himself a mansion, he built himself a small cottage where he lived for the rest of his life. According to Dylan Winter's article, Winfield Scott Stratton, the $10 million man, the two things he bought for himself were new tailor-made boots and Stetson hats. And while by most accounts Stratton was a temperamental man, he adopted the idea that his purpose was to provide philanthropic works and civic improvement projects. Early on, he donated a large sum of money to the Salvation Army to house and feed the hungry and homeless. Now, while Stratton was a carpenter before he discovered gold, Hot Tabor hired him to carve and silverleaf a giant silver dollar to decorate his bank in Leadville. This helped fund Stratton's continued prospecting. But after Stratton did strike it rich, Tabor ended up blowing his fortune. Stratton bought up Tabor's properties and the Brown Palace, a hotel in Denver Tabor built. He then set up Tabor with a pension which Tabor's wife, Baby Doe, was able to live off for the rest of her life. While not a churchgoer, Stratton apparently appreciated the positive effects churches had on their communities. He demonstrated this when he donated the money to build at least five churches in Cripple Creek and Colorado Springs. In addition to helping people with their spiritual interests, he also helped with educational pursuits. He made friends in the staff of the Colorado School for the Deaf and Blind and donated $2 million to the institution. He then set up an investment fund whose interest went to scholarships. He also gave back to the Colorado School of Mines where he learned his prospecting and mining skills, donating $25,000. With spiritual and educational interests addressed, Stratton also gave attention to pastimes, helping to fund a baseball team in Colorado Springs. And for the more peaceful and quiet times, Stratton dedicated $40,000, over $1.4 million in 2023 money, for 20 acres to create Stratton Park in 1900. According to Nancy Lewis in her book, The Parks of Colorado Springs, Building a Community, Preserving a Legacy, Stratton provided landscaping, created ponds, built a bandstand, installed many swings for children, and provided picnic areas and iron benches. He pledged $5,000 a year for maintenance, $4,000 for Colorado Midland band concerts in the summer, and $4,000 for dance music. Referring to the trolleys in Colorado Springs, author, scholar, and historical reenactor Richard Merrill stated, it is said that Stratton himself used to hop aboard and go to the park where he stood behind a tree, making himself inconspicuous while he listened to the band and watched the people. He was not interested in publicity. It seems Stratton never lost perspective on his humble beginnings and paid a lot of attention to the working person. As I stated earlier, he paid his miners more than other mines and provided them with accidental death insurance. He also bought bicycles so the district's washerwomen could get around and do their jobs easier. And when prospectors would lose everything, he would sometimes provide funds to help them get back on their feet. And when Cripple Creek caught fire in 1896, Stratton provided leadership and a great deal of money to aid in the aftermath and recovery. Even the Portland mine, the highest gold producer of the district, owes its existence and its success to Stratton. 
When Jimmy Burns and Jimmy Doyle were in danger of being sued out of their tiny Portland claim, Stratton provided the funding and legal experts to help them emerge not only victorious, but with a greatly expanded amount of mining property. Of course, Stratton had ultimately made a wise business decision, but early on he couldn't have known how lucrative his investment would become. And of course, Stratton didn't really know what to do with the money he already had. Burns, Doyle, and Stratton were friends, and it really looks like Stratton chose to help them out of a jam. But of course, no good deed goes unpunished, and there will always be people who will try to get their hands on the money they neither worked for nor deserve. Stratton was bombarded by people wanting handouts or scheming for ways to separate the man from his fortune. As a result, the already taciturn man became more and more reclusive. He also started drinking more, which eventually led to serious health problems. Essentially, he had become one of the most giving people in history and society made him pay a heavy price for it. Stratton developed diabetes and cirrhosis. While his health continually declined, he was still subject to people pursuing his money. But his philanthropy did continue. Between the trains and the trolleys in the Gold District, Cripple Creek's transportation needs were taken care of, but not necessarily so in Colorado Springs. So Stratton built an entire trolley system that ran from the city's north end to Manitou Springs. And in true Stratton fashion, he was very good to the trolley employees. In an unprecedented move, he set up a company-wide insurance policy for his workers. He also instituted a program by which his employees would own their own houses outright within 10 years. He seemed to be more of a teacher man to fish kind of guy instead of a give a man a fish. Stratton also bought up a large plot of Colorado Springs land which he donated to the city and then helped them build a city hall, a county courthouse, and a post office on the location. But Stratton's diabetes and cirrhosis eventually caught up with him. Bedridden and not eating, slipping in and out of lucidity and consciousness, he passed away on September 14, 1902. He was 54 years old. The next day, the streetcar stopped at 2 o'clock and the courthouse bell rang 54 times to honor the life of the man who had given so much. He was given a small ceremony which only his family was allowed to attend and then he was buried at Evergreen Cemetery. His final wish was for his estate to be used to establish the Myron Stratton home, named for his father, to care for the aged poor and dependent children. It was established in 1913. Thank you for listening. This is Tommy Allen, and on behalf of Trevor Phipps, have a great day. And should you find yourself looking for a good cause, a few dollars given to a worthwhile charity could help them and you out greatly. We look forward to having you join us next time for more Stories from the Midland. References used in this episode can be found on its webpage. Visit storiesfromthemidland.com slash podcast. And while Stratton didn't particularly... And while Stratton didn't particularly enjoy carpentry, he was good at it.